delighted to say we are joined by Mike Kemp, a.k.a. Cousin Stan. How's it going? Oh, it's fine. I'm fine. So you played the part of Cousin Stan and he was an important character, really, because without him, the Trotters wouldn't have taken in Uncle Albert. What, what are your memories of that time? Well, it was all a bit surreal, really, because it practically happened overnight. I think my agent phoned me on the Thursday. I got the script on the Friday and we were shooting it on the Monday. I didn't do an audition. It came by virtue of the fact that John Sullivan was a scene shifter on a Dixon of Doc Green, which I did many years before, that he remembered me as this bumbly character with a heart of stone, as the black sheep of this family. They didn't even ask me if I wanted to do it. Just phoned my agent and said, Mike's doing it. So it was all a bit of a surprise and it was all over before I realised what was going on, if you see what I mean. Did you um, audition, Mike, with Buster Merrifield and your your wife at the time, Jean? In the, did you have to audition and things together? Not audition, but you had to run through a few times, did you, before you, you did it, obviously? No, no audition process. And apparently they had Maureen Sweeney in mind anyway. We seemed to make a perfect couple. Maureen Sweeney, am I right in saying, who was Jean? wasn't she your wife in the in the story she was in holiday on the buses wasn't she she was i was thinking actually weirdly obviously your character name was stan and she was stan butler's girlfriend in holiday on the buses as well wasn't she which is quite strange i'm sure you're right i'm sure you're right did you watch only fools and horses before you starred in it mike yeah you're a fan were you absolutely when it first came on i watched about two episodes and my stepfather Sid God rest his soul was from High Wycombe and he had this lovely rolling birch bucks oxen accent and I said to him one day we hadn't watched it and I said do you get this and he said oh yeah it's very funny Michael very funny even though you know I'm sure he didn't get a lot of the references you know when something's funny and when is it when it isn't it seems to be perennial my grandchildren are laughing at it now so when you read the script did you sort of laugh as well you thought oh wow this is going to be a good scene at the time did you, did you realize how big it was at the time did you think people will remember me for this in 30 40 years or did you, not, <laughs> did you not think much of it at the time did you just think it's another job and well as i said it was all pretty surreal and it all happened and we'd done it before i realized what what i was involved in you know because that episode i'm right in saying was written after, wasn't it? Because the hole in one was the, supposed to be the first episode when it's Albert falls through the bar, doesn't he? That Leonard Pierce actually filmed that episode, I think, didn't he? And that was supposed to be the first episode of the series four, I think. Yeah. And the episode you appeared in obviously was written later because unfortunately Leonard sadly passed away. Well, the unfortunate demise of Leonard Pierce, God rest his soul, it, it wasn't expected. He died very suddenly. And now they're left with this dilemma. What do we do? Do we put what we've got together and let the two boys carry on on their own? He was left with this huge dilemma. And obviously what he came up with, it was a masterstroke. It was a masterstroke, a stroke of genius. That way of doing something where there's pathos and yet humour. It's, it's a very heady mix. Mm. Yeah, and that episode is particularly raw, isn't it, with emotion? It has to be one of the saddest episodes of Only Fools and Horses. Absolutely. I think it was the first sort of comedy where a, a main star in the show had, had a funeral, didn't he? You know, like you say, it was supposed to be a comedy, wasn't it? But he was able to, I think that was the first time John Sullivan realised he could write tragedy as well as comedy, wasn't it? He brings it back, doesn't he? And that's just before your scene, Rodney and Dell at the grave, isn't it? And then it all breaks up because they've thrown the vicar's hat in, haven't they? The vicar says, well, 
anybody seen my hat? So it brings it back to comedy again. Yeah, I think it was Joe Orton, you may remember or not. I, I did the play that he wrote called What the Butler Saw. It's quoted as saying that the materials of comedy and tragedy are exactly the same. It's simply the way you treat them. But what we're actually doing when we're laughing at things, it, it's a relief mechanism. Helps you get over it, doesn't it? Well, I don't know if you know... Cockneys that well. Uh, I count myself one of them. My dad's one. <laughs> well, I'm from East Ham originally, or Newham as it is now. Lifelong West Ham fan. Doing very well, aren't they? We're doing very well at the moment, beyond expectations after the first three games when we were rock bottom. But you were saying, because you're, you're an East Ender and you're saying about with humour. Yeah, you know, the, the every, doesn't matter what happens, somebody gets blown up, somebody gets shot, somebody gets stabbed, whatever. There's always a joke in it somewhere and the Cockney will always find it. And, and uh, I think that the the Scouse humour is similar in that sense. They also seem to have a punchline and, a, and a, you know, there's always a, a knock at the end of it, you know, if that makes sense. You know, when Buster Merrifield then, obviously his first scenes in the show were with yourself then, weren't they? Is that right? At the, that's at right. The... Yes, that's right. Did, did you film the church before the flat? I know the flat came after, or did you do, do the flat scene before the, the church? No, flat scene in, in the studio with a live audience. That came after then, didn't it? So they, what would happen? They'd show a video of the church, would they? And then come back to the studio for the, for the audience? Or would the audience not see the church scene? Yes, they would have been shown that as a lead-up, as a warm-up sort of thing. And you'd have a warm-up man go out there and get them lively. And so if you're going to laugh, laugh out loud. And... There was a, something that quite proud of, really, in the sense that on that night before we were about to shoot, David found out that I was a stand-up comic, which is, at the time, basically how I earned my living, going out four or five nights a week doing stand-up. He told me that he envied me because... He'd love to do stand-up, but he couldn't. He just didn't have whatever it is that stand-up comics have. I don't know what it is. Never could put my finger on it. But for, for someone like that to tell me he envied me was uh, like, whoa, <laughs> amazing too. I was very, very, very pleased with that. I bet. Yeah, what, a, what, what an accolade, yeah. And Buster Merrifield then, he, was he, he was quite nervous by all accounts, wasn't he? Because it was his first... Well, he'd been a bank manager all his life, Barclays Bank Manager in uh, Richmond, I believe. And he retired, he just retired. And he decided that he was going to get himself an agent and maybe because some of the best parts ever written have been for older characters. So he got himself an agent and his first job was, guess what? Only Fools and Horses. Mm. Imagine that. Imagine that. Debut was Only Fools and Horses and he did five seasons of it. So Mike, you were saying about the live studio audience. Do, do you think it brings the best out in actors to have that live audience there? Yes, I do. I do, absolutely. There's nothing like an audience's response, especially when you have them eating out of the palm of your hand. It's an experience like no other. It's an incredible buzz, that is. Incredible. Yeah, and it's it's a shame they don't do that anymore, isn't it, really? I think with a lot of TV shows now, you don't really get that so much. Oh, unfortunately. How long does it take, like your episode, Mike, how long would that have taken to film and everything? Is it a day's filming or is it a week or...? Well, there was the day 
one day at the, the cemetery and the evening the live studio in on the set so two days basically two days you're right yeah and then if you miss a, obviously if you miss a line or someone misses a line then you just go back to you and do that if you don't get it right you just go back and do it again yeah. have you seen the episode many times since or do you not tend to watch yourself on telly I have it stored on every device I have <laughs> there are occasions when I and I'm feeling down and I want to remind myself of some of my achievements. I, I play it because I'd, I'd love to see my name go by at the end. <laughs> would it be up there as a career highlight, or is the what would you say is, is it near the top? Would you say is it is it near the top of a career highlight? Is it one of the top things in your career? Would you say that you know that you're most proud of? I would say yes. I would say it's my claim to fame, if you like. Yeah, the, the very top. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that it's great you said that because so many actors say, "Oh, I can't watch myself on TV," you know, <laughs> and, and all that. It's great that you still watch it. Thing is that it's repeated so often, you can hardly miss it. You know. It's, it's, it goes on a continuous loop on uh, on UK TV. UK Gold. Yeah, UK yeah. Gold. And the nice part about it is I'm still getting paid for that. I was going to say that awkward question, but do you get royalties and things? But that's I'm glad you've answered that. Yeah, so you do, do you? That's good. So I can sit at home and watch myself working, which is great. <laughs> you just shout to your wife, hey, we've earned some more money. I'm on again, yeah. <laughs> Believe me, it's peanuts now. But it pays for me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. D- like DVDs, obviously sales of the DVD, you'd get a, a bit off that as well, would you, I presume? And yeah, repeat yeah. foreign countries, Pete from Romania, £1.68, that sort of thing. Amazing. But they all add up at the end, you know. It's most of uh, Europe that uh, that take it. Massive in so many different countries. And not just English-speaking countries. Canada, Australia, New Zealand, even the USA. did the convention in, um, I think that was three years ago at Worthing. There were people there from all over the world. Spanish people, people couldn't even speak English. (laughs) Again, we go back to this this visual thing. Visual comedy is is perennial and, and, and it transcends language and religion and everything. Yeah, and it's so universal, Only Fools and Horses, isn't it? Like you were saying, I mean, all over the world people love it. That's what's special about it, really. And, and you know, demographically, it's any age group. My grandchildren are still laughing at it, you know. Yeah, the next generation like it because it's it's being kept alive with UK gold, isn't it? Like you say, you know, it's... Uh, yeah. And, and I, I don't think it's dated like other comedies, has it? You know, other comedies were funny possibly in the day, but they don't stand the test of time like Only Fools has done. Do you tell me that whatever age group or ethnic group you're from or language you speak, you wouldn't find the one with the chandelier funny. It's mm. just delirious. And there's no there's no need for language in it. No. When Del Delboy does his magnificent fall behind the bar, who wouldn't laugh at that? The, the, the chandelier one you mentioned, that was a true story. It was John Sullivan's dad, I think, wasn't it, who experienced yeah. that? Yes, that's right. He told, he told his son John the story and his dad didn't think it would be funny, did he? I think his dad said, that that won't work. And then John Sullivan said, after it w- was broadcast, first person on the phone was his dad saying, yeah, it was funny. Was you nervous meeting the cast? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> David Jason, my God. You talk about one of the best comedy actors we've ever produced in this country. And and Nick, and Nick Lindhurst, wonderful actor. And look at the variety of stuff he's done. You know, incredible. And and David Jason, he's still alive and he's a he's a knight now. He's Sir David. Mm-hmm. And he deserves it. He deserves it. He does. He's done well. Mike, was you told with your characters to sort of look down on the trotters? Because 
who plays your wife, Maureen. Mm-hmm. She she was kind of snooty, wasn't she? Because she was from the other side of London. And was that the kind of vein John Sullivan told you to do it at like that? We I never really got a note from either director or producer about anything I did. They just let us get on with it because it was important that they got it in the can. The only thing I I remember is I there was a line in it where we were talking with Del Boy and Buster or Uncle Albert goes to the toilet. And as he walks away, the line was, he's been living with us for 18 months now. If I hear one more nautical yarn, I'll swing for him. And they cut it. That was left on the cutting room floor. I think they thought I was a bit too aggressive with it. I've seen that Gene says that line about nautical. If I hear one more nautical story, I'll swing for him. She says that. I've seen. I don't know whether well, they give her the line then, did they possibly? Because I've, I've heard that line. He's been living us, with us for 18 months now. Somebody suggested a home, I think you say. And I think she said. I might just an old folks home. And she says, yeah. uh, well, I, we didn't consider it, love, did we? No, not at them prices anyway. But yeah, she's what we call in the East End all for no knickers, you know. Yeah, you were from North London in the show, weren't you? And, and obviously the, the trotters are from South London, aren't they? Yeah. And then you mentioned about your caravan, don't you? You say you've got a mobile home. So Del Boy says, oh, it's a caravan. So Jean goes on, but I've got two bathrooms. I've got this, I've got that. He says, oh, yeah. right. Del Boy says, it's a big caravan then. And uh, Uncle Albert says, we can't get puncture in that, can you? It's a flat. The audience didn't seem to get it. I thought your funniest line was in the flat when Albert says to Del Boy, I was going to be your godfather. And Del Boy says, I thought George was my godfather. And Albert says, yeah, we tossed a coin. And you say, yeah, George, George lost. <laughs> Meaning that's why Del Boy's godfather's George, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because you're, you're quite, you're an elite club, aren't you? You're, I was weighing it up. You're one of 10 trotters to actually feature in the show. Yes. Only 10. You know, that, that actually, trotters have been mentioned, but there's only 10. Do you have any memorabilia off the show at all? Props? Script, maybe? Script, yeah. I've still got that suit. Have <laughs> you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you really? Yeah, somewhere. On. I don't know what I've done with it, but it's, it's somewhere <laughs> in there. Is it, it's one of those things you just can't get rid of, isn't it? Yes. It's and it's a very nice. It was a very nice and very expensive suit. So I've kept. It. Come, come on, be honest. Have you used it for weddings and funerals in the in the since then? Yes. I have. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Why not? Do you think? Did you think? You know, at the time when you did your filming and things, did you think there was a chance you might be asked back again, or did you think that was it? Did you think, or did you hope and dream that you might be asked back again for another episode? I've held out that hope for a long time. Unfortunately, uh, the fact that I'm the black sheep seems to be seems to have stuck. <laughs> And I kind of earned it, you know. Um, at the time, uh, my head was all over the place. Uh, just going, I'd just gone through a quite a messy divorce, and uh, oh, I yeah. had a problem with alcohol after that or during that. I think it's what caused them to break up with the marriage, really. And I was fighting all sorts of demons, which I have. Thank God, Touchwood got over now, you know, I've, I've uh, got through that. Good to hear. And I'm very, very lucky, man, to be alive, to still be alive, you know. When you think of what I've subjected this body to over the years. <laughs> <laughs> All the greats say that. How old are you, Mike? 75. Really? Oh, I thought you were no 60. Way. Don't look 75. Well, that's good, isn't it? Yes, I'll have dinner with you, yes. I'll be honoured. Do you enjoy doing the conventions when you go along to them, Mike? Yeah, of course. Another amazing experience when you see something in the region of maybe 
1,500 to 2,000 people queuing up to go down a line and get signatures on bits of grips and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Anything they can pick up and lay their hands on and get your all to. And it's, it's, it just makes one feel good to be asked to do something like that. And it, and it pays well as well. <laughs> How many, that's good to say. Would you say that once a week you get recognised for the character of Stan or once a month or every day? What, 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 do you get recognised for the character still? Not anymore. I mean, in, in the days when I was younger and only had one chin and my hair was all right. <laughs> and I was a bit slimmer, maybe I would have done. But these days, people still say, uh, you know, I still get the occasional, oh, I saw you in Only Fools and Horses, did I, you last night? And I go, yeah, yes, that's true, that's true. And they're mostly uh, very close friends or, or relatives. I've still got a little uh, fan club among their relatives who phone me or Facebook me and say, saw you on telly last night, you were great, you know. Quite a poignant episode as well, Mike, isn't it? You know, that you, you've introduced Uncle Albert to the show, haven't you, really? That left your mark on the show, really. It, you know, it was only one episode. Um, in fact, the last convention I went to, one of the participants, one of the club members, or whatever you call him, he, he was walking away. I suppose he was about 20 yards away, sort of making his way out. And uh, he sort of put his face over the railing or partition, whatever they had there. And he said, that was very cruel of you, Uncle Albert like that <laughs> and I said biggest favour I could have done him mate he got five seasons out of that <laughs> yeah yeah if he'd have gone back home with you we'd never have saw him again would we no great reply um, what's your favourite episode of the whole season series don't say strain relations <laughs> <laughs> well that's got to be number one isn't yeah it? of course has to be and and of course I always sticks in my mind is the one where the luminous paint that was very funny and uh, when Uncle Albert fell down the manhole <laughs> accidentally on purpose <laughs> yeah that, that say so that was the episode that originally Leonard Pierce had filmed hadn't he correct yeah and when Mike's looking up from the beer cellar at Albert he's actually looking up at Leonard Pierce that actual footage Correct. was of the original wasn't it yeah it's a shame they didn't have I don't know if they have kept Leonard Pierce's um, episode it'd be nice to see that wouldn't it actually I don't know if they've still kept it or I wouldn't know that no no well it's been great speaking to you Mike <laughs> great Mike am I alright to smoke my pipe in your Cortina now no 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 pipes <laughs> We've got some off-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie LPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and Edda Push, and Trevor Francis track suits from a mush and shepherd's bush. Bush, 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 bush. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. Street. Long live Hooky Street Same man if 